You're listening to the Bookkeepers Podcast with the 6FB, the weekly podcast for bookkeepers. Every week, we'll be talking about what's new in the bookkeeping world. And here are your hosts and founders of the Six Figure Bookkeeper, Joe Wood and Zoe Whitman. Hi, and welcome to the Bookkeepers Podcast. I'm Zoe Whitman. I'm in Bristol and I'm joined by Joe Wood and Kent. Hi, Joe. How are you? Hi, Zoe. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I can't wait for us to get chatting today because we've just been chatting to Rebecca behind the scenes and we have all got so much to talk about today, haven't we? <laughs> we have. Um, today we're joined by Rebecca Robertson, who is an IFA, and we're going to have a chat about how IFAs can work with bookkeepers. Um, but before that, we thought we'd have a bit of a chat about self-care because we were just all having a bit <laughs> of a really interesting conversation, actually, about how we all are and how we manage with different stresses and things um and joe you you told me a bit about how your day was yesterday and how that had really sort of helped you yeah i think i i'm gonna be really honest here i hit a really big wall over the weekend um and um i've um i i've t- I told a couple of people basically last friday was an, at the anniversary of my dad dying and it came out of the blue because i'll tell you why because usually we have something in the calendar where we make a plan and we go out for dinner and um and i had my 40th birthday back in december and didn't get to see my family but that was a celebration without family but having grief on friday with no family hit me like out of the blue and for the first time because i've worked all the way through lockdown i've i've been quite motivated and i've kind of enjoyed my i love my job anyway but i've liked having the kids around it's been okay homeschool has been tough i'm not gonna lie but um, with wine, I've got through it. But Friday was like a whole nother different thing. And we sat and we watched videos over the weekend, camcorder videos and stuff. And I just got really, really sad. And I really miss people. Like to the point, I'm like, I'm going to get in the car and go and cuddle my sister because I need it. And then on Monday morning, I got on, uh, we have a team call every morning. And I sat there like, I'm going to do that. I just cried my eyes out. And I said, I can't do this. I can't do this. I've got I've got Sunday dreads for the first time ever from having my business. I had Sunday dreads, and I and I was trying to figure out why it was. And I think it I think it was that and just like Rebecca said, I've got so much good, exciting stuff going on, and I've got all the day to day stuff going on, and I usually love that. But I had grief that I wasn't dealing with, and it was it was just shouting at me like. Hey, you've got to, you've got to look at the you've got to look at this. So what we did was we made a plan with my team about how I could strip back the week, take out the things that I didn't really need to do, like the extra clubhouse rooms and you know all these bits that I really didn't need to do. Stripped it right back and and came out with a plan so that every day I had some time. So yesterday was the first day and I decided that I was going to spend some time doing yoga and I was going to have some do some meditation and I was going to do some journaling. Now I hate I hate journaling. I literally wrote that much. But I thought it was a start because I'm not I'm not much of a writer. So I thought it was a bit of a start. And actually after that, I can't explain how much my energy lifted. And I think um it's just about acknowledging like your emotions are there and they're shouting at you. They're gonna keep knocking on the door until you open the door and listen to what they're saying. And I still feel like I've got some work to do, absolutely. Um, and it's one of those things I'm very much like that. Zoe is such a workaholic and amazing, but I work instead of, I work to um, stop listening to those sad bits. I I cover it up. I like plasters and stuff. And if I just work on this, then I'll, if I'm really busy, then I can't think. And I think what happened over the weekend is that lockdown, homeschooling, my dad, 
everything all came to a, and it was like, we are going to scream at you until you listen. So I'm listening this week and, um, and it's not easy, but I do recommend it. But what I was saying to you is that you've got to find something that doesn't feel like another thing to do on the to-do list. If yoga's not your thing, don't try and get into downward dog and like you're going to be stressed out. If it, it might be dancing in the kitchen, it might be going for a walk, you might be doing a puzzle with the kids or playing Monopoly, whatever it is that really chills you out, just think about that and make sure you're acknowledging those like gremlins inside. Oh, Joe, I'm so sorry to hear you've had such a difficult couple of days. That's um that I did I didn't know like we're in touch all the time and I, I knew that you've been busy, but I didn't realise that you had all of that piled up on you so I'm um, just to say I'm thinking of you and wish you could I could give you like a real life hug um it, it's probably a good time to introduce Rebecca <laughs> um Rebecca thanks so much for joining us today um thanks for having me you? no absolutely our pleasure um how are you how's everything going with you how's lockdown and everything this is how this conversation started isn't it I think we're all we're, we're you know we're all busy women um I, I so have you got children I don't know I don't think if you have I've got two. Mine are four okay. and nearly two. Okay, so you're worse off. Like, yeah, yeah. You're how you how you even managing with that? <laughs> They're at nursery. I'm. I think I'm quite well. Like, I think I'm quite lucky actually in all of this. Yeah, so right. It was bad at the beginning, but right now they're at nursery, so I think it's, it's not okay. Too bad. Yeah. So I've got a four year old, and he's meant to be at nursery, but he's attached attached to the school that my daughter goes to, and so it's half term this week. So everyone like towards the end of last week were like, oh, it's great. It's half term next week. Haven't got a homeschool. And I'm like, I've got a four year old not going to nursery. That means it's worse. And I'd already cleared my diary. I already just had like this and a few other things that are booked in, like to have a couple of key clients. And I stripped it right back. And I, I've recognized I'm 10 years in business now. Um, and I recognize that drive in us to do do more and do good. And as being a mother and being my husband works full time. He's very good. He's with the kids now. So I sort of we, we sort of tag team a little bit. But I recognise not all blokes are as good as what my husband is. And I don't think he was always as good. It was only since I started to bring in some serious money or some better money that then he took it more seriously. And actually, even for this podcast, he's like, going on a podcast isn't work. And I was like, well, you watching The Office in your office at home isn't working anyway. But no one judged you on that, did they? Um, and I feel like I'm letting a cat out of the bag a little bit. I love him to bits, but there, were, there was a period where he wasn't really supportive and he got quite a bit negative about my business. So we can't always sort of um, put ourselves, like everyone's situation is really different. So like you were saying, Zoe, um, this time round's not been too bad, but with school closures, having a slight cough, wasn't allowed to go to nursery, came in contact like within like, touch somebody that had covid therefore not allowed to go to nursery so actually out of like the last three or four months i'm in kent and so lockdown has been going on forever um like since december november like the end october time we've been in like high high level lockdown um and he's only really he's been at nursery but not as much as i as my work capacity requires him to be whereas you know first lockdown that was the worst thing ever um and i even have moments of where I have to gather myself and compose myself. It's almost like a trauma that I'm having to reprocess because I was end of tax year investing millions of my clients' money with a four-year-old at home and trying to reassure clients while the markets were crashing, right? Like, I never want to have to go through that again. Um, so I'm glad that the nurseries are open um, and that's a, that's a real godsend. So 
for me uh, this is such a massive subject to ask how I am and how like this whole scenario at the moment and it does like that saying goes we're, we're, we're all in a different boat we're in the same sea but we're all in a different boat we're not all in the same boat there's some people that have like their jobs have been obliterated and bookkeepers have probably had counts you know accounts or clients that their job their jobs have reduced back their hours have dropped back but there's lucky ones that were working in certain industries that probably were have got really really busy and actually those companies need more support so you, you can't really ever judge it right but one of the things that i started doing probably about properly about four or five years ago and i joined a program um and the lady that runs it's called dr joanna martin and it's all about, I think, finding, like Joe was saying, not another thing on your to-do list, but finding a hobby or a resource or a tool that you can lean on based on your circumstances and what you're going through. So for me, um, the one of many uh, program, it was a, it's a big community, but it's a program that I went through that's Joanna's um, piece. And she talks about batching for energy matching, which is where you work on certain jobs when you're in the flow of that. And I was saying to the girls before that that's really hard to do when you're literally juggling kids and everything else at the same time. But typically when he's at nursery, I do certain jobs in the morning that suits my energy and certain jobs in the afternoon that suit my energy. And over the years, I'm really driven um, and I'm really, I have a real passion for what I do. So it's it's hard to stop because you just keep going and going and going and going. and and. I'm what's called a generator in the human design. If anyone's ever heard of human design, I'm a generator. So when I'm in flow, I, I, it's like now I can just talk. <laughs> I, I almost have like, I don't know if it's like Tourette's or divine inspiration. I'm not quite sure which yet. I haven't decided, but it's almost like <clears throat> I have this download and it just flows through me. And I'm, I'm just, it's the same with energy when it comes to my business I can just keep going I can just go and go and go and whereas if I'm not feeling it it's literally like a blank piece of paper and I can't move it's like stuck in quicksand and I think we have to recognize when ourselves so I had a conversation with my husband a while back and he was like I'm tired and I said yeah I'm tired and he said well I'm going to crack on because I'm going to run and I said to him like I can't oh you know you women it wasn't quite like that because he wouldn't dare um but you know it was almost like well why aren't you I'm tired you're tired we're all tired we just got to get on with this and it's like we can't always have that British mentality because what ends up happening if you don't put that oxygen mask on first we are the motherships literally like if we if we don't function nothing functions let's be honest so if we if we're not looking after ourselves so it's recognizing in yourself when you're feeling that rise of lack of energy or lack of flow and if that's permanent and you're literally just feel like you're walking through treacle then i recommend anybody talk to their friends about it get some resources google ask on facebook just be in the right space to be able to absorb the right things at the right time so that you then know how to deal with it. Um, and that's, you know, like Joe, you reached out to your team. I, I found a community and, and resources. So it's such a huge subject, this well-being, especially now. Um, but it's finding the right way and the right things that work for you. Me, I've got horses. So if I really get the ump, I just go and see my horse. <laughs> oh that's so lovely that's so lovely and and it is simple animals are amazing for that I know Zoe's yeah. got cats and I've got my dog and and 
sometimes they are so they're so intuitive and when you just see them just do you know what's great about an animal when you watch it they're in the present moment and i think sometimes we they, they can't think forward they don't reflect on the past they're there then and there and i think there's a lot to uh, that we can learn from animals and that's something yeah. that i actually wrote in my thing today today i'm going to be present and in the moment because what my problem is i'm always racing to the future and i don't accept where i am now and just enjoy it so that's one of the things but um thank you so much for I, and i think it's been a great way to start this because i think we could go on forever and talk about this but Rebecca, we do want to know more about you and your business and Thanks. how bookkeepers could mm. uh, me and rebecca just so that we live in like villages next to each other and we've known each other for like years at barn dances and things randoms um and it's really strange that we were we're in this like online space where we follow similar people and things. I'm like, oh, she's another weird one like me, but she's only just up the road. She's she's one striving for success because most of the other mums at the school are. They look at us like we've got three heads. So um, it's it's so lovely to find a kindred spirit, spirit in Rebecca. And then obviously over the time, I've oh I've I've told Rebecca Rebecca is an IFA, but like like no other that I've ever met. I've had IFAs come to my house, suited, booted with leather wallets and let's go through this insurance plan and all of that. Rebecca is so different. She's like, Joe, what's going on? What are we striving for? What do you want in your, what do you want in life? Okay, this is how, this is like, we could make a strategic plan. Rebecca's written a book, which is amazing as well. And yes, mortgages, pensions, insurances, all of that, she can deal with that. But she looks at it from the point of view of you as a person, and what you're trying to achieve and how money and your wealth can support you. So yeah, Rebecca, I hope I've introduced you okay like that. That was uh, that was lovely, thank you. So I, I quite like it when people introduce introduce you because it gives you a real context of what their perception of what, you're, what you do is. And that's, that's a really lovely perception. I'm, I'm glad that you think and feel like that. And I'd say that's really, really, yeah, spot on. And Joe and I have known each other actually quite a long time um just through different circles and then um, i've really enjoyed watching your journey and you grow and i think that's something we mustn't forget you know i've been in business 10 years and there's so much has changed over the years but you had you had some questions about like how i, I would like to give some content to, to the ladies that are listening so what was what, what were the three questions I, I heard you mention them a minute ago but what was the first one you want me to cover do you want to tell us a little bit about what IFAs do because yeah. I think that unless I think maybe for a lot of people the first time they really come into contact with an IFA is when they need to get a mortgage but I think right. perhaps they don't really realize beyond that what what is involved yeah. and then we could talk about how that can support our clients and their goals oh. is that okay yeah that's great so the first thing you mentioned is they come across an IFA when they need a mortgage. Most IFAs don't do mortgages. That's the first thing. So um, it's a really good perception that people do put that on, on social media. I'd like an IFA. What do you want? A mortgage? I go, right, okay, then you need to speak to my mate, Jenny. I've done mortgages for years. I've done hundreds of millions and millions, if not billions of pounds in lens. I've trained several, I don't know, 40 odd mortgage brokers. I have a mortgage broker in my team. It's, it's a bit like being... Um, you end up you end up trying to be track of all trades right and with mortgages it's highly technical these days with like especially now with covid and accounts and you know with how businesses are being run and self-employed the criteria is so broad that you really can't do it justice so you a mortgage broker would typically be you know a specialist in the sense that that's pretty much all they do um, but they can also do insurances 
some companies they only do up to a sort of they only have the license to do up to the mortgage amount um and like an estate agent they might be independent what's classed as whole of market um or you might have somebody that's tied so they're only tied like if you went to halifax they only do the halifax and the same in the ifa world or financial planning world you have financial planners who are basically tied to a particular company so you might they, a lot of banks don't really have financial advisors anymore because they had too many claims and it cost them too much in insurance and um, because they had too big of a resource to train and they couldn't do that effectively so they had too many complaints and too many claims therefore they lost too much money so Barclays used to have a massive financial advisor arm and that shut years ago so it's a lot of self-employed um, a lot of self-employed financial planners but they still might be tied and they might be tied to maybe like a panel of only five or six providers the big providers like Aviva and such like, um, Standard Life, Royal London, they don't have financial advisors typically. They might have a, a, like an advice uh, section, some of them, but typically most of them take intermediary business, which is via a financial planner of some kind. So an obvious one like St. James's Place, they're tied, they're not independent. They've created a, like a central investment proposition that they deem to be the best one and you're buying into their proposition. So if after a year, two years, five years, 10 years, you want to review that portfolio, they're never gonna tell you to go elsewhere. And that's all I'm gonna say about the subject. Um, but if you speak to an IFA, an IFA or whole of market, so they might be, um, it means they might have created like a panel, but the original once a year, they're checking in on that panel and they're changing who and what, why and when. At the moment, I work off a completely independent state. So I literally research fresh every client and I'm in the creation of starting to create a panel of my own around in in ethical investing because it's such a specialist area. Um, but typically you have providers come up with the same sorts of stuff, right? It doesn't change an awful lot. It doesn't change as much as mortgages. So an independent financial advisor usually um, uh, specializes in investments. So more like pensions, ISAs. And where it starts to get, um, I think why a lot of people don't really understand what an IFA does is because they're only having to deal with it once they inherit lots of money and they're going, OK, what should I do now? Um, or they have come out of a divorce and they've got a split of a pension from a partner that they didn't even know that they had that pension sometimes. So again, there's a real detach detachment from that investment, that portfolio. They don't understand what that money's for, or what they can do with it. Um, or in business, they all of, a, all of a sudden start earning loads of money or got really great turnover and they're going, okay, what do I do now? So sort of my, my job in my coaching side of my business is to sort of prepare people. It's a bit like pair, putting on a new pair of shoes and it feels a bit uncomfortable and you don't quite know what to do or how to do it. Whereas what I'm trying to do is put tools out there so that people, when they do earn more or they do um, you know, inherit some money or something happens in life, that they can go, I know what to do with that. And when things hit them or problems and things come up, they, they're more robust in the stronger position that they know how to handle it. So it's like a bit like bubble wrapping people, but in a positive way, not in a negative way. And um, so an IFA is somebody that typically, um, I have business owners, employed and self-employed. Um, um, and I, when I say business owners, that they're like executive women running 
corporate teams type of stuff or I have business owners that are doing really well in business and they want to start setting up pensions and I talk about things quite holistically in the sense of okay what's the plan what's the end goal because I can do all these products but actually what are we trying to achieve which is what Joe was sort of touching upon and I call it holistic lifestyle financial planning and I offer different services and products based on lots of things but one of my pet peeves about the industry is that we have to charge a fee like the amount of work we have to do to give regulated advice is quite hefty so a lot of people then um and, and we have so we have to because we have liability we have license charges everything else so a lot of people on a day-to-day when they're sort of trying to fill their feet or think i want to start investing especially women so statistically women don't they're very low risk they, they'd rather keep it under the mattress or in a bank account and they don't know where to start or what to do. So that is even more reason why. And unfortunately, the statistics around even opting in for op- auto-enrolment, which is where they're employed and they're given a pension, the opt-out rate is actually far too high. And that's people actually declining free money in a sense. And that's just down to the education of understanding what actually they're being offered. All they see is you're going to take 20 quid a month out of my pocket and I, don't, I can't afford that. And that's often to provide a lifestyle for their kids not necessarily thinking of themselves first and putting that oxygen mask on the first and well-being financial well-being is totally linked so if you're feeling really rubbish about yourself and not putting yourself first often that you'll be doing the same thing with your finances as well um so i've gone i'm sorry i've got so much i could say about these subjects um, i feel like i've hopefully answered your question in terms of what does an ifa do um so i, I think i've answered that <laughs> you you certainly have and that's that's amazing and and it, you are right. The whole problem with us all not really understanding it is uh, the education that we're not given at a young age and we're not provided by our pe- parents and exactly that. My my mum only looked into IFAs and things um, when when their pension or the, the um, is it the equity only loan? I can't think of what the, what's called now. When when that all disappeared and the pension was gone, and then they're like, oh, when they lost money, that's when they started looking at it. Otherwise, they just kind of left it there. So um, and now she's very much on the ball, but she, it took her to her fifties to start learning this stuff. And um, uh, yeah, we don't we don't want that, and um, and we want to be able to explain this to our children and our other halves. But also, we've got clients that are either some are doing very well, and I, you know, and I know I go to you when I've got a client that are like, I want to start investing. What do I do? So that's how can what? Okay, firstly, what do bookkeepers need to be looking out for as a sign that somebody needs an IFA? Okay, great question. So I, I'm I'm not going to get up on my soapbox about this, but I do have a bit of a pet pet hate when it comes to accountants. Um, doing this particular thing I love accountants I've got lovely friends that are accountants and you know it's all all good like I'm not saying that the the bad thing but it's almost like we get to an end of a tax year the turnover's increased Um, oh I think we need to come up with another solution as to how we can reduce corporation tax oh client have you thought about doing a pension have you done a pension yet and it's that reactive situation to a problem isn't exactly the same and I believe that accountants bookkeepers and the like um we want our clients to be wealthy right we want them to have a successful business and creating a pension through uh, through your business is an amazing way it's tax relief you get obviously the corporation tax offset you're not paying then dividend tax by paying it to yourself 
Um, and you're okay, you can't touch that money usually until about 55. But it does mean that you're actually taking a lump out of your business up to 40 grand a year, and putting it in this like place where it's going to grow. And it's ta it's like tax free almost. And when you then take it as an income later, 25% of it, you could have tax free without any income tax. Like, so when you sort of put it a bit like that, it's like, okay, but if you did that sooner rather than later, it would mean that you could retire 10 years earlier. If you had, the people had those kind of conversations, they'd go, oh shit, I better do that now. Because compound interest is key. So you don't necessarily want to get to the end of the tax year and you've got five years before you, and you come to retire and you put 40 grand, so 40 times five, that's not enough to retire off of. There's a ratio of um, the 4% rule. So if you want to have about 30, 40 grand a year income from a pension, you need nearly like a million pound in investments. So it's going to last you long enough because we don't live until 60, 70. We live until 80, 90, 100 now. And our lifestyles, we have higher expectations as to what we want to do with our lives. We don't want to retire and sit and, you know, have cups of tea and biscuit and, and knit. We want to go on world cruises and adventures. So I think what needs to happen is that there needs to be a question a lot earlier on in the process so that, you know, it's not just an afterthought. It's a it's a part of the process so that, you know, you're OK, you're you've now started to take on um, some staff and you're starting to grow the business. I can see that your profits have increased by 10 percent on last year and, you, you know, you're no longer running at a loss and you're now starting to earn more money. Right. There's that transition. It's the first spin that those businesses have from being at a loss, paying themselves more and got, a, you know, they're leveraging their position by taking on a team. It's then the conversation should be happening, because even if they could afford 10 pounds, 100 pounds, 200 pound a month that's the starting point because okay over a year 100 pound over a year it's only 1200 odd quid but the compound effect and once that thought process has been set up and done it's that much easier to have the conversation of okay actually I could have I can increase that so I have a lot of clients that come to me and go well I haven't got lots of money and I go it's fine look you're an you're an investment as far as I'm concerned. I'm gonna get you set up. So I had a client the other day and she's not doing as much work as she did. She did. She thought she had about 30 grand to invest through her business, coming to the end of her tax year at the end of March. And her accountant has said, you know, you should got about 200 grand turnover, you've got some corporation tax to pay, go and pay it, like go and do a pension. And at least she hasn't gone years and years and years. At least that's been brought up early enough. So that's that's good. Um, but she's she, she's been aware she got she was divorced a couple of years before he literally wiped her out she had nothing she managed to buy a house so she got a roof over her head got the house and then it's like then what um so yeah the earlier on the conversation the better because that compound effect so your interest each year that you earn so if you only earn 50 quid interest the next year you earn interest on that 50 quid and so the next year and the next year and the next year now I'm not saying we're all mathematicians here but I'm sure you can figure out from doing that. If you put 5%, 10%, 20% interest rate returns on some of this money, you can see how it can grow. So a lot of people think, well, I'd never have a million pound pension, so it's pointless. That's that's the worst place to start. It's better off having an income of five grand a year in retirement or 10 grand a year in retirement plus your state pension and have something coming in as stability than nothing at all, start somewhere. Oh, I completely agree. I I worked for two huge pension funds uh, in my earlier life. So uh, I signed up for my pension when I was 19. And um, I'm really pleased I did. Um, 
Okay, so one of the questions I think people are going to have, and I expect probably actually thinking of our bookkeepers, a lot of our bookkeepers have left employment and they're now running their own business. So this is just as relevant for them to be paying some money into a pension. But would as would an IFA help them to, I, I instantly think that they might set up a SIP. Um, would an IFA help them to know how to invest that? Because I think, like you said, women are very risk averse. And the idea of going, I don't know, I'm quite young, I'm going to just have a high risk portfolio of assets and I'm going to take my chances on this bit of cash feels quite scary, even if the rest is in like quite low risk stuff. So how will it, will a, an IFA just give you an outline of exactly what to do? Because I think people perhaps need that handholding. Yeah, so there's there's two there's two ways of doing things. So there's self like self-made investors or do what DIY investors. So typically, um, the, the, you might have a small percentage of your community that would fit into that category where they're like, well, I'm only putting in a hundred quid a month. It doesn't really justify the fees of getting involved with it with an IFA because you know I, I have a flat fee of twelve hundred and. I have to do that so that I don't turn around and say, well, there's a minimum of 100 grand investing or a minimum of 50 whatever investing. And there may be some IFAs out there that would charge less than that. Um, but they are very, very few and far between because we're really busy. And we, we if you imagine you've only got so many hours in the day, if, like the bookkeepers that are listening and so I'm sure yourselves, if you could have a choice between working on a case that's going to earn you £10 or £50, you'd you would you'd know what, this, it's an easy decision, right? And it's a real issue that I've got with the industry because it shouldn't really matter how much money people have got, which is why I charge a flat fee for less than a certain amount. But I do have a membership where they do the education. And I'm not saying that you should go into that membership, but it's finding a resource that you can find the information. So a SIP as an example, you could go to a provider and any provider and set up your own SIP. Some of them will allow you to fund pick. If you don't know what you're doing, then don't do that. Some of them will let you do what's called a multi-asset fund, where basically they dictate what the funds are. You just tell them if you're low risk or high risk and they sort out the rest. There's charges involved with all of those different elements of process. So there's a uh, like an investment fund uh, charge. There's a plat platform fund. And if they're doing a little bit of extra work in terms of picking the funds, then they'd obviously charge you for that. And that's usually a percentage each year charged on the whole amount that you invest. So some providers have a minimum amount. So some won't allow £10 a month, for example. Some would. But it's, again, better that you start somewhere and keep an eye on the charges. And I think that's a really important thing for me to answer, Zoe, and it doesn't answer your question. But there's a lot of people out there going to be thinking, well, I can't afford that. And those people that can afford it, that's great. You can find an IFA, but I don't want to miss out on those people that actually maybe can't afford that. Yeah. Um, so with those that can afford to go and get advice, then absolutely, certainly. What you said, can we do this? Yes. So part of our process is to do what's called an attitude to risk profile, where we ask a selection of questions around your, your how you feel about risk. Um, and that gives us a risk profile. It's usually one to 10. And we would then, from that information, be able to say, OK, well, we'd put you in a risk profile of this nature. Um, an IFA's job is to research the market. And based on what they feel is the right thing for the client, we've got different resources and tools that we use. It might be past performance. It might be charges and costs. It might be service. Um, and then we would come up with a recommendation as to what would be the best one. Now, we can't guarantee that what happened last year is going to happen this again this year because uh, past performance is not a, a, a measure of future performance. 
Um, but you can usually go over like a five or 10 year historic data. And I have sort of margins or um, caps in my head that I expect, even after a global pandemic. So if there's anyone that's had major losses last year, I tend not to use them. I use the companies that did really well. Why wouldn't you? Um, whereas if you are a client, you don't know who they, they, they are and you might not look at the data and analyze that quite so much. And then obviously I'm looking at charges. So I don't want, I charge half a percent a year. Some financial advisors charge 1%, some charge more. Um, so again, IFAs are looking for certain levels of clients of levels of investment so that they know that each year we have to do a certain amount of work each year to monitor and advise that client on an ongoing basis. So they want to make sure that they're getting their money's worth and they're getting charged for the, you know, otherwise they'd be turning around and charging another flat fee. Um, so, yes, that's the financial advisor's job to basically make that those decisions for you. And we'd write a report which details exactly what we're advising and why we're advising it. And the benefit of that is we're regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. So if it ended up being, you know, the worst thing ever, or there was something that went wrong with that advice, you can actually be compensated um, for getting bad advice. Um, I think that's really reassuring to a lot of people, actually. And, you know, I think pensions are, probably are something that a lot of people overlook particularly uh particularly our bookkeepers you know we want to talk about bookkeepers clients but i think probably our bookkeepers who've started on their self-employed journey perhaps aren't thinking about a pension yet but it is a very important part of how you pay yourself and how you sort of value yourself so to know that that um that kind of decision making can be taken out of your hands is really reassuring should we talk about insurances as well? Um, because Ooh. I think that something people don't think about is um, insurance that can go through the business. So my, um, we, have an, we have a financial advisor called Isabel and uh, she does everything for us. And she um, pointed out to me that I was paying more on my pet insurance than I was on my health cover. And, uh, and we ended up actually deciding to cancel our pet insurance so that we could pay for a very good critical health policy and mm. uh, and I think that and that do you know what she she said the way that she framed it to me she was like have you got a uh, cat cover for your cats and I was like well yeah <laughs> and uh, and she was like well how much are you paying for that and she was like I, you know this is quite a lot of money that you could then put to because you know pet insurance isn't cheap Joe's got a dog I guess your horses aren't cheap to keep and um it yeah. was quite an interesting like realization of what we were prioritizing and mm -hmm. uh, that really made us like change that mindset so there are some insurances that you can put like life cover I think yeah. you can put through the company so could we just touch yeah. on that a little bit that can help out oh, there's so much well. I could save on everything you just said so I had cat insurance um and we've been paying it for years and years and my cat was about 16 and um about two months after he was diagnosed um, so after two months of cancelling it, he then was diagnosed with a long-term illness that cost me hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Um, but so I, I've got my two dogs insured and my my dog, my cat horse insured because I figured that they're the bigger animals um, and cats wouldn't be as, as expensive as what dogs are. Um, and yeah, people do. They insure the kettle, um, the washing machines, uh, fridge, freezers, uh, cats, dogs like literally everything in their life that they sort of value. But what the main thing in our lives that actually is almost like a cash machine in your front room that you press, give me money and produces money is not our business. It's actually ourselves because, if, you know, for a lot of us, without us in it, it's not earning money. Um, I'm almost at a point where some of my revenue is I can be detached from it. 
but from a wealth creation perspective i'm not quite there most of us are reliant on ourselves right so we don't insure ourselves and there's different lots of different things that we can do and if you want to focus just on your question which is the ones that are tax deductible um, so if you're a limited company you can have something called relevant life um, so the and the business can pay for it and um, relevant life um, is like if you imagine you when you were employed um, you were had death in service it's almost like the business setting up death in service in your name and like with any life insurance whether it's in your personal name which is intended for the mortgage um, I always suggest you look at putting it into a trust now all that means is signing a piece of paper to say that the money when it when you die then doesn't fall under your estate and it sits outside of your estate and they the insurance company write a check to the beneficiaries rather than via what would be the estate which would be for example if you had a will via the will and that means that if you've got a large business that's earning a lot of money um, you know that's a good profitable business that would be technically sold on death it allows um, potentially the business to carry on running because they haven't got to sell to pay off the beneficiary which may be a wife for example so the business actually doesn't carry on going once the, the owner or proprietor dies um the uh, the owner becomes whoever um is the executor or so the, the beneficiary of that person's estate um so quite often if that in a typical husband and wife scenario the wife doesn't want to ring a car run a car garage so then she will sell the business to make some money whereas in effect that life insurance might mean that she gets get her payoff and it would mean that that potentially like the son could take over or someone might say, well, I can carry on running it and I could give you a share and give you an income. So it allows options. And the same if you've got a partnership, that's even more, more important. If there's a partnership business going and um, you can have partnership insurance. And in the same scenario that I've described, it would then mean that the other partner could buy out the other partner's wife or whichever way around you want to be, you know, being politically correct because be the other way around. Um, it would mean that then that the, the, the partners, the one that's left, is can still run the business and not have to sell it to pay off their ex-business partners' beneficiaries. Um, and they are all tax deductible. Um, and your trusts, so, sorry, Rebecca, and the trusts can be set up by your IRA as well. Now. I know, I know. And someone's just posted a question actually about not insuring their cats. And I'm like, oh, this guy, this guy. Um, um, yeah, the trusts though can be set up by your IFA, is that right? Yeah, so if I was setting up a policy, then I'd say, okay, this provider that I'm going with does this these kind of trusts. This is how they work. And it's like a tick spot ticks box exercise it's not like you're having to go to a solicitor and set up you know you don't have to write a will through a solicitor you can have a will writer write a write a will um, but there are certain clauses or trust clauses that can go in a will which still a will writer can do um, solicitors more do like for example trust that sits up outside of the estate um, and can be via death um, whereas what I'm talking about is very, it's, it's so much jargon around trust. This is just like a life insurance trust where you're basically saying to the policy, um, the provider that's providing that insurance policy, this is where I want the money to go. That's all you're sort of really doing. So, yes, they, they can certainly do that for you. Um, I'd encourage them to. Sometimes it can be like an afterthought. Um, so it's important that people know what to ask for. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Can we can we go to questions? Before, yeah. You know, if we get into so so a lady said my husband pays. Sorry, I can't see who it is. It's just this Facebook user. So apologies. My husband pays more in super tax that I ever bought home than I ever bought home. How can we deal with it to save tax? How much to save extra on the pension? He's on three percent now. Thanks so much in advance. 
Oh, okay. Uh, it sounds like she's, he's an additional high rate taxpayer, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if he is, then he has a limited his pension um, allowance reduces to ten thousand right. a year. Um, right. So it's really hard to give tax advice when I don't know anything about the circumstances. You don't have course. to give tax advice. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just, just some ideas, or uh, um, would be helpful. Yeah. Um, it, 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 I assume that they're bus they're business owners, or she, they're employed. I, I, I don't on. I don't know I don't know I think you need a bit more about that one I so would we'll, need a bit more yeah, yeah sorry that's fine but it that sounds like a yeah it sounds like a conversation for our for the person who's asked the question I think it's probably something to seek some expert advice on yeah and explore the options definitely. definitely and then and then oh she says employed Marie okay. um yeah, Marie Phillips says, I'm sorry, but I'd never get rid of my pet, a pet cat insurance. Last year, my youngest cat got sick. It cost over £5,000. With cat insurance, I only paid a portion of that. I think insurance is an individual choice. You should take professional advice before cancelling anything. Yeah. Oh, totally. I agree. I agree. I've had, uh, we, George, who, if you're watching this on video, George behind us, we have, uh, we had insurance for him and it did save us a lot of money when he wasn't very well. But I think we decided as a family that, you know, if something happened, we would bear it or... Yeah, so, yeah. So or, or save it, put it aside. It, you know, yeah, put the money yeah. aside, and and yeah. if something if that way, invest it. And if something was to happen, it's growing, it's doing something, and then that way, if something happened to poor old George, um, the money's the money's there because we have to. I just like to say, if you honestly ask yourself, if you was in a situation where you didn't have the money, how would you find it? And would you, you know, we no one I know that has cats would then do like the, the worst case scenario or any animal no. of any kind. And that happens with horses, you know, sending them to the vets to have an x-ray costs thousands of pounds. Um, so you, you, I think it's just a case of deciding, well, I haven't got, I wouldn't be have enough spare just to find that. So I have to insure them. Um, yeah. Personal choice sometimes. Absolutely. And I think as well, I think what Zoe was saying in that instance was that they hadn't, it's when you get animals, you very much quickly think, right, insurance, but we yeah. forget about it for ourselves. And I think that was the point she was making that, yeah. you know, we sometimes forget about ourselves and that we really need to think about that. And Rebecca, I've used uh, the lady that you have for will writing, and it really opened our eyes to talk through everything and, you know, how we've set it up. And is it really did help us. But it's something, it's everything you're saying now. I'm sure people feel like this about bookkeeping and accounts when we talk to them because even though I've I listened to you and I understand the words you're saying but it's this is all brand new really and I I, and I don't understand what a SIP is and you know I don't understand this. I'm trying to learn so I love the fact that I think there's a lot a lot that we can offer by learning for ourselves and putting this stuff into place for us we can yeah, learn this terminology and definitely. we can then pass it on to business Mm -hmm. exactly the impact you're in such an influential amazing position that if you can learn this stuff and I'm not saying be like you know they haven't got to do what I do for example and um, but if you can learn enough to be able to empower somebody else to make those really informed decisions that impacts their life that they can retire five years early or if something happens to them that you know that that you know, their family are going to be okay um I think that's just incredible and, and most bookkeepers I'm going to put my neck out are women um and I just think yeah I think there's such a ripple effect that we can have to, to help people um in so many respects um, but going through your yeah, going through the process yourself and, and looking at all the different elements and but don't get overwhelmed. That's that's a, just pick one thing, please. Like this, we've talked about lots of different subjects. Just pick, write a list out, brainstorm it, 
get a notepad um, and then just pick one subject at a time and deal with and don't move on to something else because it's easier or shinier just keep one thing at a time what what can our bookkeepers do then if they want to start start a relationship with an IFA because you know we can start to learn what to look out for in businesses but it's obviously we need somebody to then refer people to do you work with yeah. a lot of bookkeepers and accountants what should we be looking out for so a lot of IFAs the first thing that they try and do is right we're going to try and collaborate with loads of accountants and that's like obvious business introduction collaboration and um, I never really went down that road um, because I went into the female online market so I, I have accountants where we have we're in similar doing similar things a bit like Joe and I and it's like oh I, I can't do that I, I, I'll refer you over so I have like four or five people that I say to clients or online or wherever right I use this person this person this is who my accountant is this is what they're like and I refer them over and I have like three or four in my head so I think it's a really good process that it doesn't always got to be 100% reciprocal. I think it's about who would be right for your clients or right for you. And what's right for you doesn't necessarily mean it's right for your clients. So that's why I always give a suggestion of three or four. And if something was to go wrong with that referral, then you don't want really on that on your on your conscience or a problem because you don't know what's going on in that other person's life or what you know what changes are going to be made or if they're going to move chat you know move companies or whatever. So I would say research. A couple of suggestions so for example if, if I had a bookkeeper approach me and say I've got um, a guy who is a garage car salesman I'd go I'm probably not the best IFA because it's a long-term relationship I'm probably not the best person whereas if I had oh I've got um, a female business coach who loves empowering women about their wealth and well-being and she's got an online business I'd be like wow I'd love to talk to her and I think it's important to sort of energy match in the same sense personalities so it, that there's a good connection um so I'd say like research who might be right for you but then also look at your client base and think about who else could be right so maybe speak to a few other accountants speak to some other bookkeepers get like a little black book of people and have an idea about how they work and who their ideal client is do they have any specialties that they're really good at and I think it's a way of adding value to your clients as bookkeepers you're in such a great position to be able to add revenue and resources by offering services that your clients don't really want to be doing and typically accountants aren't doing a bit like you know joe with the way the work the way that you work is incredible and i think that um it, by adding value to people's lives where they we're just make we're just making ourselves almost um what's the right word like the pinnacle of their life their go their go-to person when it comes to finances um yeah. and that's only that can only be positive for you and your business Absolutely. And this is why it's so important when we talk about ideal client, we're not necessarily talk. I loved what you said, that it's an energy match. And that's it. That's another thing we need to talk about more, Zoe. It's an energy match. It's not just about what they do in that industry. It's about being with like-minded people. And actually, it's so funny because I've just had a call with, uh, I've just been on the phone with one of my new um, clients. She's online she is a millionaire and I'm looking at it thinking she and she's like what am I going to do with all this money and I'm looking at it thinking I hey. don't know the answers I know and I was like Rebecca aha uh -huh. so exactly when I mean, I've just started working with her so okay for bookkeeping really this is a real um we because we don't understand it but you said a really great thing then this is something we could think about so forty thousand pound is the limit that we can that somebody could put into a pension which would then reduce it 
Yeah, they're a limited company. company. If they're a sole trader, it's 100% of their annual uh, net uh, annual earnings up to a cap of 40,000. Okay. Okay. If you only earn 10 grand, you can only put in 10 grand. Right. Perfect. So that is something straight away today that everyone that's listening here can think about. Do you have a client that has extra money that they're taking out as dividends because and they because they don't know what to do with it they don't need to live off of it that is something that you can take away today but really find someone that works like like Rebecca that works well with your type of clients and who would be a good match and I mean like Rebecca says you know she she would honestly tell you if it's not a right match and that's exactly what I do as well yeah because I've got other advisors I've got there's a lady I I know called Wendy and she built deals with a lot of executive uh, males for example and she deals with but they're they're all employed and they have a certain way of doing things and they're all in design and creative tech stuff so if I had someone come to me like that I'd be like no you need to speak to Wendy but Wendy be able to look after you that much better um so that's just an, an example so I think by having like your own little black book of contacts that's always a good thing Definitely. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for everything you shared today. I think uh, everyone's got a lot. I reckon I'm going to come back and listen to this again because there was just so much wisdom in here. Um, uh, Joe mentioned at the beginning that you've written a book. I wonder whether you can tell us a bit about that and tell us how people can connect with you if they want to find out more about what you do. Oh, thank you. So I wrote that book about I was a newborn baby and he's four and a half now. Um, So um, my publisher went out of business, She decided not to run anymore. So I actually took the book off the shelf. I'm in the process of rewriting it for business owners. And that is going to be out in May. But the most exciting thing I've got going on at the moment is actually it's a book and it's published on Amazon. It come out later on in March. But it's actually called the Wealth Accelerator Program. So I've taken everything that I'm sort of talking about. You know, like you have journals, you have notebooks, you have business plans, you have life like life habit trackers and budget sheets and all the rest of it. And as women, I like and a Joe, I know you don't like journaling, but for a lot of women, they do like to write things down. So um, I've created a physical like a journal planner, like it's called the Wealth Accelerator Planner. And it's like the mother of all planners, basically, in this one. It's like a hundred, like 180 pages in total. And it's you can use it all year round. And it's by week and by month and by year. And it's amazing. I love it. I'm so excited. And that's coming out in March. And I'm doing that alongside a challenge. So I'm doing I love challenges. I run them in a free pop up group. Um, and that's on the 15th of March. So I'd probably say, come and check out that. Come and check out, you know, it help you in your business and what you're learning, you can then give over to people that you're working with as a, your client base. Um, and then hopefully you'll, I'll, you'll find out about the planner. I'll be sharing the link to Amazon in that community um, and hopefully you'll like it. So that's probably the best that way sounds, to connect with me. That sounds amazing. Well, what we'll do is we will get your links and we'll link to them in the show notes. And then when your book is on Amazon, um, we will let just come back around and let us know and we'll just add it back into the show notes. So anyone who's listening to this after March will be able to see that link. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Really enjoyed having so you. Thank you. Thank you. This is one of our longer episodes as well. Um, before I wrap up, I'm just going to let everyone know how you can connect with us. If you don't know about what we do with Six Figure Bookkeeper, you can connect with us in the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club on Facebook. We're very excited about our Bookkeepers Bootcamp, which is running from the 22nd of March until the 29th of March. We're going to be really focusing in on confidence and we've got some amazing guest speakers guest speakers, different workshop sessions happening. Uh, we, we like to go live 
every day so it's going to be really cool we've got a lovely workbook for you to work through if you haven't registered for that already it's free to join in uh, we do this every quarter it's free to get involved just come and register at sixfigurebookkeeper.com slash bootcamp and then you'll make sure that you get all of the emails about all the events that are happening and we will see you next week for another podcast take care bye 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 don't forget to join us every week on the Bookkeepers Podcast with Topical Bookkeeping Chat. Why not join our free Facebook group, the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at sixfigurebookkeeper.com.